It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth, presented by Core Water. Hey, welcome to the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside my uh, co-host, Mike Evans, Scott DeHub, producing the show. Got to thank our, our presenting sponsor, the great people over at Core Water, hydratewithcore.com. I'm telling you what, great water, award-winning, crisp clean taste big giant suck hole so you can get a ton of water into your gullet while you're working out like i'm constantly doing you can tell by my body it is impressive that's core water check them out hydrate with core.com you know why you're working out why is that because tom brady's close to you Oof. literally close to you right i, I mean you're in la it. right now yeah i saw it and he's like literally ucla is several just several miles down the street which when you're in la that could be you know that could be a 45 minute to an hour drive um several miles but yeah he's 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 working out at ucla he's staying in brentwood (laughs) which makes me feel like lunch at brentwood in brentwood like if i'm just strolling the streets like looking for a very you know nice up uh Kind of a upper class, uh, upscale type, upscale yeah. restaurant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just Crane, kind of pop in, craning your neck everywhere. Yes. Just seeing. most people tom, pop in and tom. they look at the menu. Mm-hmm. I'll pop in. I said, I just want to take a, I just want to scurry around the restaurant real quick. Just see what the atmosphere, <laughs> the right. vibe is. That's like. That's right. Soak right. up the ambiance. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, do you, would you like to see our menu? No, 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 no. I don't care what you serve. I just want to see who you serve. <laughs> Don't that be great? Oh, hey, Hey. fancy bumping into you here. (laughs) You think he still remembers I have the 500 foot? Yeah, I just remember 500 feet, Mark. 500 feet. So, well, good luck with that. Uh, Thank you. I appreciate it. We hope that that you're able to uh, Mm -hmm. fulfill your dream of running into Tom Brady in in Los Angeles. Um, I'm telling you what, that would change my life. Would it really? It would. It would change your life. What would you, how would you, what would be the icebreaker that you would would use? Because, you know, although, you know, Tom Brady seems like a. You know, gregarious type guy. Maybe yeah. he might see you and be like, "Hey, stink! What's happening?" But if I he am, didn't, how would you break what, the ice? Do you think? Okay, so when he was a rookie, and you know, going oh, it's his second year, he wasn't a rookie, but his second. When, so when they were playing the Super Bowl in year two, he actually did something with us at when I was at ESPN, and he was such a like he was just he was such a naive like youngster just excited about you know his opportunity you know i mean it just was that way right right and you know it was just like oh hey you know so like just respectful and that oh do you think he would recognize me? do you think he would know who i was <laughs> or do you think he'd be like hey guy good to see you yeah yeah you know he just give me the guy thing yeah like, yeah like you do oh, like yeah. you do all the time whenever i'm yeah. with you at like a super bowl hey yeah. Good to see you. Yeah. Hey, guy. Everything good? How Everything, you good? Feeling? Everything, Everything good? Everything good? Everything good? You healthy? Do, hey, <laughs> I had somebody do that exactly to me. To you? Yes. No way. Bumped into me, you know, one of these other athletes that was like, hey, guy. Yeah. Oh, you're a legend. How you feeling? How's your body? Yeah. You good? Yeah, exactly. And you were like, all of a sudden, you were probably like hurt and like, hey, I, mean, I know what you're doing to me. Right. You don't know me. You don't know who I am, do you? Right. You know of me, but, you don't but know. you're not sure who uh-huh. I am. You don't really know my name. Uh-huh. I, I want, 
if Tom Brady gave me the hey guy. Oh, that would crush you. Oh, my Lord. You'd be crushed. I'd just be curled up in my hotel oh, room my in the God. fetal position. Cry. Crying and sucking oh, my thumb. Yes. It'd be awful. Oh, it'd be awful. Maybe I don't want to bump into Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, just keep the illusion alive. Right, you know I mean? right? Keep the, uh, the, the dream alive. How right. about, uh, speaking of dreams, do you see that um, uh, Dwayne Haskins wants to wear number seven? With the Redskins, and uh, Joe Theismann apparently will give him permission. Right. Gave him the papal blessing. To do it. Right. I bequeath to you number seven. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, which was shocking to me, nobody has worn seven since that fateful night in 1985 when Joe Theismann's leg got snapped in half by Lawrence Taylor. Nobody has worn that number since. Oh, (laughs) cursed number. Is it because of the, the snapping of the proverbial leg, or... Or now that maybe that Alex Smith has snapped his leg in half, now it's transferred to a new number and you don't have to worry about number seven. <laughs> oh, that's cold, man. That well, is it, cold. I'm not, I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just saying well, he snapped his leg in like half. It kind of like one, yeah. Well, so you're saying the, the Washington Redskin quarterback snap leg curse has moved from Joe Theismann to uh, Alex Smith. It, so it removed from, it Good luck with that, Dwayne Haskins. To, to number 11. So uh-huh. there, for the next 40 years, there's nobody going to wear number 11. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I mean, do you really need, though, the, do you need the, like, you haven't played since 85. Nobody's worn that number. Do you really need to, you know, to give permission or... Like I said, the papal blessing. Does it like why is why why is the the number so important to some? Well, is it? I mean, you, let's say so sixty nine sixty nine sixty nine doesn't matter to Let, you. Let's say you actually played a sport. Have you checked out your phone number recently? Oh yeah, everything is everything in my life is sixty nine. <laughs> right. Like so. if you want to break into anything I own, <laughs> the odds are just throw a couple sixty nines in there, and you can open up my garage, or you can like, you know what I'm saying? That's right. Oh look, stink <laughs> savings account. <laughs> yeah. Woo-hoo. Um, no, you, like you're not getting in there because there's nothing in the savings account. My wife, <laughs> my bride has made sure. Uh, uh, no, I've, of course, I'm just kidding. Honey. Yes, course. Yeah, right. I know she hey, she's listen to listening to the around. podcast, right? Um, yeah. So, <laughs> I yeah. I mean, I, I I think it's cool. I think it's respectful when younger players reach out, like when Philip Lindsay for the Denver Broncos reached out to TD and say, "Hey, man, can I wear the 30? Right. I think it's respectful. I think it's nice. Um, nobody has ever one time reached out to me about wearing 69, whether it was for the Skins or the Broncos. You know how I got that number, by the way. Like people act, people act like I chose it. You know, um, I wore when I got drafted by the Skins through all of uh, like OTAs and everything else because we used to actually practice and through mini camps and stuff. And in training camp, I wore number fifty. Well, we had a linebacker because we had multiple guys in camp, so we had some duplicate numbers. We had a linebacker by the name of Raven Caldwell who wore number 50. So I had a lot of, as a rookie, I had a lot of, at training campus, a lot of Mark Schlereth number 50 autographs signed. So we go to the first game I ever play in the Hall of Fame game in um, Canton, Ohio, and I get into my locker, and all of a sudden the jersey number is 69. That's what they assigned to me. So I went from being 50 to 69 and obviously made the team and just stayed in the number, and then 
when I came to Denver originally, there was a kid who actually had 69. And so in my locker, it was number, I think, I can't remember, it was either 60 or 62 or something. And I didn't have 69. And the training, the equipment guy was a guy by the name of Doug West. And he said, hey, we've got this other kid that's in 69. Do you want the number? And I go, ah, you know, I mean, I'd love to, you know, to carry it on. But if not, it's cool, whatever. I'm not going to ask the kid to give it up. And you certainly weren't going to pay for it. And I'm not, yeah, I'm certainly not going to pay for it. And then um, Doug West went to Mike Shanahan. And Mike Shanahan said, no, he's 69. He's, he's you know, he's started for six years in the league. He's a starter. He goes, the other kid's a practice squad guy. He goes, no. He get, and so the next thing I knew, 69 was in my locker the next day because uh, Shanahan said. Shanahan told Doug West to change it. But I would I would have been fine wearing a different number. That would have been okay. Yeah, the, the Haskins thing, because this is playing out around the league, that whenever you have one of these young quarterbacks drafted, it raises the debate about when do you play them and are they better off just being thrown in there uh-huh. or are they better off – sitting and learning and and being developed and you you see that scenario with Haskins in DC you've got uh, here in Denver Drew Locke although not a first round pick second round pick but still kind of drafted with the the idea that at some point this this could be the guy um Daniel Jones Eli Manning I mean how, where where do you come down on the whole idea of you got to play the kid right away versus Hey, maybe it might be better to sit around for a while. I think it's always I think there's such a transition, Mike, and I think there's very few guys who are ready to step in and play right away. And I think more careers have been ruined by doing that than have been, you know, made by doing that. You know, you can go down the line and you can look at a guy like Patrick Ramsey or you can look at a guy like uh David Carr, you know, who just took a beating for his first couple of years in the league, and then it, you know, it, it really never, it really never worked out for him. So I think that it's always good to try to develop players if you can, because you know the college game and the professional game for for you know for there's a lot of things that are different about the two in, in regards to the way they call plays and in regards to the way they um, manage a game and and, and you know and and call plays in a huddle and do all those things you know uh, the one guy last year of the of the you know the quarterback class of last year that really seemed to thrive and even in thriving he was still what the 21st rated or whatever QBR quarterback is Baker Mayfield oh he was like 25th 26th yeah but I will tell you this like one of the things talking to his now head coach who was the offensive coordinator back then Freddie Kitchens he told me he goes, listen, one thing about this kid, he's like, he's got a photographic memory. Like, I can give him anything. I can give him something in the morning, and he can regurgitate it verbatim in the afternoon of practice and not miss a, a beat. Or I can give him a, a play call that has a long kind of, a, a long, you know, uh, a long verbiage, like a, something that's really got, a, a, like, intricate plays and stuff, and he can tag every route. So any receiver in that, in that route combination that um, – you know, that's like two jet X dagger or something. He'll say, okay, you X, you've got this, you, you got the Y, you've got this Z, you've got this, um, you know, F you've got this and, uh, and, and halfback you're doing this. Like he can tag every single route. I want you to run a comeback. I want you to run the go. I want you to run the, and, and 
and he knows it. Like there's nothing that gets by him. So I think there's I think there's very few people in life that have that ability. He happens to have it, and I think it's one of the reasons that he excelled um, last year for the Cleveland Browns, and one of the reasons that so many people are excited about this Browns team. That and they're you know a very talented football team, but. I think it's always good to sit. It's always good to learn. Um, it's not always incumbent upon the veteran to to teach you the game, like to take you under his wing and tell you exactly what to do. It's incumbent upon you to watch a professional work and learn from not only the successes but the mistakes that guy makes and to ask questions. Like th- That's incumbent upon you as a young player, but I think it's always beneficial to have a little bit of time to sit and to actually kind of watch what goes on and to study and prepare that way. But that okay, then how are you really developing? That was going to be my my follow up. How do you how do you develop? Because I think it makes sense to 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 take your time and don't throw a guy in until he's ready. But I think for a lot of fans out there, it's like, well, how much is he really developing sitting? Wouldn't he be much better off? Just out there playing. Okay, mm-hmm. so yeah, he's making mistakes. He's taking hits. He's throwing uh-huh. picks, all that stuff. But at least he's learning on the job, whereas how much are you really learning and developing by not playing? I think if you can if you can make the case right now mm-hmm. why it is valuable and why your development can really uh, you know really progress. Even though you're not playing, I think a lot of fans listening might, you know, might change their whole view of it and be like, "Okay, I'm all right with my guy sitting for a while." Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think that, I think that, one, if you're really absorbing everything you can absorb, if you're a, like I always say this, just because you play a a pro sport doesn't make you a professional. Like you have to be professional. You have to prepare. You have to go through the game plan. You have to learn everything you can. And then from a scout team standpoint, I know you don't get a lot of reps in practice. You know, you're not going to take a lot of first team reps. The first team quarterbacks are, you know, they're rep hogs. They want all those reps, right? But when you run the scout team and you're playing against your own defense and they put the scout team card up, the head coach goes, okay, I want you to run this just like, and they'll tell you whatever play we run. So, hey, this is like, uh, this is just like two jet all go special. So run it like two jet all go special. Right. And try to hit that, you know, whoever the special is like that. Try to hit that Y that has the, uh, you know, the the deep cross over the middle. Right. That's the special. And and so you get a card and it's all drawn up. But they say, I want you to run it just like this play in our offense. And so that to me, those are valuable reps, Mike. And that's the way that you become better and you see things and you learn how to play the game. When I was a rookie, I went on IR right off the bat. So I went on IR, I was on IR, but I was in every meeting. I was, you know, in there in the game planning stuff, going through all the stuff like I was playing. The only difference was, you know, um, I wasn't playing. And then all of a sudden I come off IR. Back then you could come off at six weeks and start practicing. And not only did I take all the offensive scout team reps and give the defensive look, I actually played on defense. I actually put a green penny on, you know, and lined up at defensive end or defensive tackle and played defense, um, scout team defense. That's how we did it in Washington. 
And so I was getting all these reps, and I was learning, you know, about the game. And then several weeks of doing that, and all of a sudden somebody gets hurt, and I become the starter. And it was beneficial. I mean, I, I, I put myself in positions, and I studied the guys in front of me. And I had great guys to study because I was a member of the Hogs. You know, I had Jeff Bostic and Russ Grimm and Raleigh McKenzie and Joe Jacoby, you know, and Jimmy Lachey. Like, I learned a lot about football just absorbing it so to speak through osmosis and i think that's i think it's a valuable aspect i think here's the deal you can go out there and get those reps and you can get beat down and for every you know for every troy aikman who gets beat down and goes you know one and whatever a one in 15 in the one game they won he started but it was steve berline who won the game because it was against my 11-0 washington team oh no that was my third year it was Berline. It wasn't Walsh, was it? Um, yeah, I think it was probably Walsh. His rookie year, I was thinking. Yeah, never mind. Scratch that. So, but anyhow, <laughs> they went one in fifteen his rookie year, and it was probably Walsh. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Bottom line, the point is matter. he he came through it just fine. Right. But point is, is he got the living crap beat out of him during his rookie year. He bounced back. And he ended up being a Hall of Famer. For every Aikman, I can show you four David Carrs. You know, they got the crap beat out of them, and that was essentially it. Is it? And 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 this is probably an oversimplification, but when you've got one of these young quarterbacks, and sure, their their reps are limited. Maybe it's just scout team, but do teams just know? I mean, do you just know if a young quarterback has it or not, even if the sample size might be a little bit small? Do you just kind of know? Do these teams know? And they don't need, I guess where I'm going with this is that they don't need a whole bunch of on the field, on Sunday, playing in games with live bullets to understand what they have. Can they do? Can they pretty much figure that all out with what's going on behind the scenes that we don't see? I think, I think you always have a sense when a guy comes in what kind of what he's going to be. You know, I mean, explain to me what makes a Hall of Famer. I don't know, but I know a Hall of Famer when I watch him play. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's one of those things. Like, how do you know that guy's going to be good? I don't know. I can just see it. I can see him play. I see him practice. And I'm like, oof, that dude could play. And and like there are guys that come out of college that have that reputation. And the first time you see them in a pro style system, you're just like, oh no, they missed on this one. And and then there are guys that come out that you're like, oh yeah, they got they got them one. They got them a real live you know trained football player. Um, and you know, I, I don't, I don't know that how to define it. I just know when I see it. Right. And, and I think most, most people are like that. Now you're very, I think you're wrong occasionally, but it's, it's pretty seldom. Like you see guys that can play right away. Like, like training camp last year, you and I are training camp every day and I'm just watching the running back drills and I'm like, Oh my gosh, no question. Philip Lindsay yeah. is the quickest, is the like he he makes the quickest decisions, his his fluidity of movement is 
Like, we're looking at it and go, this undrafted free agent. Like, within a day, we're like, oh, that dude's going to make this team. Yep. Like, he's going to make the team. Yep. And everyone's like, well, I, you can just you can just see it. Like, they were all touting, hey, Booker's the starter, you know, and we got Royce Freeman. And one day, one day of practice, just watching individual drills, and you're like, oh, that kid Lindsey's better than both of those guys. I mean, that was it was that apparent. And, of course, he rushes for 1,000 yards and ends up, um, you know, ends up being a pro bowler. I mean, it just is, it's crazy, but it is, it's just one of those things that you see. Well, Dallas saw it with Dak Prescott. Didn't take long for them to realize that, that Dak Prescott was the guy. Right. And, you know, now we're at a point with Dallas. I mean, they're, they're, they're now entering the serious expectation zone, aren't they? I mean, Jerry Jones came out the other day and said, yeah, last year was good. You know, mm-hmm. 10 wins, won a playoff game, but I'm demanding, I'm expecting us to go to that next level. Right. I don't know. It, I don't know. Did, did they have that next gear in them? Well, it, I mean, obviously it remains to be seen. 12 a, wins, from, you know, 11, 12 wins. From a talent standpoint, Mike, I think they do. I mean, I, you know, I start to look at what they did, the trade they made for Amari Cooper and the way he played at the end of the season. Michael Gallup, the kid they drafted – I think in the third round last year out of uh, CSU. Then they go out and get Randall Cobb, right? They have Tavon Austin. I mean, they, they've got some players outside, some productive players. Jason Witten comes back. He makes his return. You know, we always talk baseball-wise, strength up the middle. That's strength up the middle. In the middle of the field, you know, with Jason Witten being a security blanket, a guy like Randall Cobb running the slot, he's also a guy that can do the motion game, run out of the backfield, as is Tavon Austin. I mean, they've got like they've got some players there. They're going to get Travis Frederick back. Speaking of strength up the middle, um, the center, who's an all-pro center that um, that um, missed time last year because of uh, uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome. So they'll get him back. I look at the defensive side of the ball, Mike. Um, Demarcus Lawrence, great pass rusher. Robert Quinn from Miami has not been great since maybe 2015, but he's not going to be – you're not asking him to be the focal point. You're asking him to be Robin, right, not Batman. Like, that's big time. Um, I think the best young linebacking core maybe in football, when you're talking Leighton Vander Esch, Jalen Smith, I mean, they can play – uh, outside with Byron Jones and uh, and the CU kid, Wouzier. Like, I just think they've got a really good football team. Now, they're making some offensive changes, some offensive adjustments. They got rid of Scott Linehan. Kellen Moore takes over as the offensive coordinator. But I think from a pure talent standpoint, Mike, um, I think they're pretty damn good. Now, how do you deal with expectations and and – and does Dak Prescott take the next step? Because last year was a transition year, transitioning him out of uh, this kind of hey, we're gonna we're gonna design eight runs for you a year, our game, you know, and we're gonna make sure that you're a big part of of the running game to where hey, we want you to be more in the pocket. And and Dak took a lot of sacks last year that you know, frankly, he shouldn't have taken that were completely on him. But I, I look at them, I, I don't think. Um, they better than the Eagles? I, well, I think the Eagles have a lot of question marks, Mike. I mean, I think the Eagles, you know, Carson Wentz, injuries, didn't really necessarily play very well. Uh, they don't have Nick Foles to bail them out. I mean, 
I think there are I think there are legitimate questions to be asked about the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, everybody I love their offensive line, but you know, they got they got Deshaun Jackson back, who Deshaun is a difference maker, over the top difference maker at the wide receiver position. I also know Deshaun is one of those guys, um, oh, you want me to run across the middle? Okay, what's in it for me? How many more <laughs> targets am I gonna get? Mm-hmm. You know how like like Deshaun is not you know, he, he should be like old Keyshawn Johnson. He should be me, Sean Jackson. You know, it's it's about me. Like, I don't know that that plays really well. Um, there were complaints at the end of last year about how Carson Wentz didn't give him the best chance to win. Nick Foles did. Um, I think it came from the receivers, but people were mad that he just seems to focus on nothing but Zach Ertz. Um, and I know he's, you know, I, Carson is a great human being. Uh, there's no question that he is. But... There was, you know, there was some controversy at the end of last year. Um, I still think linebacking core-wise, the, there's some question marks there. The secondary, there have been question marks in the secondary of the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, there's – they, they could definitely win this division. I think Dallas might be a better football team. Hmm, okay. All right. Should be fun. A lot of NFC is going to be a blast. And by the way, NFC is going to be a yeah. blast this year. By the way, I hate Dallas with a white hot intensity. I know you do. I'm, that's so that's got to be tough for you as a former Redskin. That's, that's like eating a turkey. So a Redskin right as a Redskin, it was definitely always Cowboys most hated. Oh, not, not Eagles. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. Not Eagles. Not Giants. Not and back then. We had Arizona in the division, but um, yeah. What's that? Yeah, it was Cowboys, huh? Yeah. Oh, we, yeah, because because they're America's team. And, oh, and, you know yeah, the hole in the stadium, so God oh, can look down on his favorite team. Right? You know, yeah. yeah. Oh, nauseating. Yeah, it was nauseating. Just it was absolutely, and not a not rain for days. And there's always spots with the hole in the stadium where there's wet, like the turf is super wet. Like, wait a minute, it hasn't rained here in <laughs> how long? Why is this turf all wet down here? Like they watered certain, like they like they knew we're gonna get you. We're gonna get you. We'll get you. <laughs> we'll get you. We'll find we'll a way. Get you. We'll get yeah. you. All right, like Sheriff Roscoe Pico That's train right. down there. Ooh, ooh, Anish. You know, he's you're kind, just like your 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 Roscoe and ooh. your Jerry Jones is kind of starting to morph ooh. into one. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, 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 ooh. I tell you what, them Duke boys. Ooh, right. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, you're taking me back. You're taking yeah. me back. All right. All right. Good stuff. That was for me. That was like the seventh grade or oh eighth yeah. Grade. Like maybe I was a fresh. I don't know. I was like, you know, I wasn't going out on dates. That's for sure. So I was just sitting home Friday night watching the Duke's Hazard <laughs> and oh, the Incredible Hulk and the Incredible Hulk. How about Fantasy Island? Fantasy Island. Oh my gosh. Falcon Crest. Hey, no, I didn't watch. <laughs> no, that was Falcon Saturday. Crest. That was Saturday. Friday was. Was uh, Hulk and, and Dukes, uh, Dukes right? of Hazard? Saturday, Saturday was, uh, was Love Boat, Love Fancy Boat. Island. Yeah, Love Boat, exciting and new. Come aboard, we're expecting you. <laughs> Cap Steubing was a stud, stud, absolute stud. <laughs> and hey, come on, the bartender, what was his name? Washington? That no, was Isaac. Isaac, Isaac Washington. Washington. Yeah, that dude. That dude and the purser was... and the purser. Who was the purser? Uh, Gopher. Gopher, right? Yeah, Isaac Washington was just slaying babes. 
<laughs> right? You know he was. Oh my god! Just gosh. doing that little thing where he gave you the little right. wink and finger right. point. You know, yeah. You know, a little total hound. <laughs> total. Total. Hound. Not Gopher. Not Gopher. Gopher had things on his mind. He wanted to keep the <laughs> the decks ship shape, and you know, <laughs> Gopher was a professional. Oh, Isaac. Isaac, just a swordsman. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> okay, with that, with that, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Boat memory lane, yeah, love boat. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Hey, thanks to our presenting sponsor, <laughs> all the fine folks at Core Water. I'm going to need a uh, big slug of that Core Water after this podcast. Uh, for Mike, for uh, Scott, I'm Mark. We'll talk to you guys later on next week.